you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. Today I am here with Carice Laguerre. Carice is a registered dental hygienist, founder and owner of the Myospot, a practice aimed at amplifying oral wellness to whole body wellness, helping hundreds of families along her way. She's a leader in the quest for myofunctional awareness and public education. Welcome, Carice, and thanks so much for being a guest on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here and to share. Yeah, so I love in your intro and in your descriptions the holistic aspect of what you do. I love that. Thank you for that because so often I think we think about the humans as being parts and nobody's putting the parts together. (laughs) Do you find that as well? (laughs) That is huge, especially Mm -hmm. when we talk about like my background being in dentistry. A lot of people or even just the dental community, I mean, just the fact that we have healthcare and then we have dental care as if like our mouth is a whole separate part of our body that can be distinguished from other parts. There's a lot of segregation, but everything's so interconnected. So it's important that we, you know, really bring all the pieces together. That that's a very interesting point about the separation between dental and medical. And um, I'm very blessed to have found a dentist that when I go to his office, sometimes they get more medical information from me than my own primary care provider. He's very into the whole, the whole health. And I'm going to have him on, on a podcast soon. Um, so he's taking my blood pressure or his, his hygienist is taking my blood pressure, asking me health questions, not just related to have you had COVID symptoms, like everybody's asking, right? Yeah. So I think it's so important. And on the other side of my practice, not too many listeners probably know this, and I don't know if you know this, Carice, but I'm a woman's healthcare provider and I like to look at root cause medicine, you know, not just what's going on, but and symptoms, but why is it going on and fixing the underlying reasons, the root causes, and then bringing health up from there. So I love that today we're talking about a holistic approach and making that connection between, you know, we're not just a mouth, we're not just a tongue, we're a human body. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And it's so important that we all put those pieces together. And I think that that would help us as we're trying to plan out what our next steps are when we're trying mm-hmm. to get to the root cause and mm-hmm. find better wellness. Yeah. And do you mind me asking how you came to this work? It's a long way from, from dental hygienist school, right? What you do? 
Yes, yes and no. So I'm a myofunctional therapist and I really came into it because of my children. I was introduced to it by a pediatric dentist I was working with and she's phenomenal and super passionate and she for the longest time was trying to like drive home airway and You function. can name her name because <laughs> I think we should give kudos to those who are doing it right. <laughs> yeah, well she's still in practice so all uh-huh. all honors for my career and everything getting me involved. It belongs to Naomi Hillel. She's phenomenal pediatric dentist in New Jersey. Um, And so she tried to, you know, bring me along and it took me some time to really get it. But once I saw it in my children, because I'm a mom of four, so I saw it in my Mm -hmm. children, that's what really it was like, oh, this thing, I have to do this and I have to, you know, see the change. Because once I saw the change in my children, I was super motivated to try to help as many people as possible. One, prevent all that time that I had spent not knowing about this and not doing the right things. And then two, help those who are catching it at whatever stage or age they're catching it and to get better futures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On this podcast, we're often talking about the light bulbs going off, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you find one thing and then all of a sudden- the light bulbs about your other kids or your own situation goes off or other family members. So light bulbs go off. You start putting pieces together. But let's talk a little bit about what those symptoms or what those things that led you even or led your pediatric dentist to pull you along? What kinds of things were going on for your kids? And so many providers, almost everyone who comes on this show got to this work because of their kids. I think that's pretty fascinating. It's a little bit embarrassing that we're not knowing about this, that our educational bodies are not teaching this and we have to learn through our own experience, but it's it's the way it's going. So what what for your own kids were the things that you were like, I got to sit up and pay attention to this going on. So one child in particular, and I'll tell you which child it was after I tell you about all of them, um, and embarrassment, shame, like all sorts of things really Mm. like hit once it finally got to me. But um, I have four children, one boy, he's the oldest, and he had so many issues. I mean, focus, attention. He was diagnosed with ADHD. He had behavioral and impulse control issues. We had run through a long, long history of, you know, detentions and suspensions and just poor educational experiences. Then my oldest daughter had every sleep issue under the sun. I mean, you name it. And we went through it. It was 10 years straight from when she was a baby literally up until a couple of months after she turned 10, bedwetting every night, night terrors, she'd be sleepwalking, we'd hear things banging around, and we're not sure how she even made it down the stairs to the second floor. Like I had no idea what was going on with her. Um, My youngest two daughters had similar issues, and they were both upper respiratory congestion, frequent nose congestion, sinus infection, ears um, infections, throat infections. I mean, upper respiratory was all the time with them. The pediatrician pediatrician told us, you know, don't worry. All this super common, 
something that you can, you know, deal with later on, but they'll grow out of it. Don't worry about it. So I was never particularly worried, although I was always concerned. It was my... That's um, a great, you know what? I love that differentiation. There's a difference between being worried and being concerned. Right. And often as parents, our concerns are dismissed, which is so frustrating, right? Because I I firmly believe that as mothers, as fathers, as parents, however you identify, you have an innate wisdom and connection to your children, right? And when that's ignored, it's not good for anyone. You know, it's, 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 and it's, the more your the more your um feelings and gut instinct is ignored, the less you start paying attention to it. And I think I think that's a problem, right? Absolutely, because I don't think I would have let it sit for as long as it did. Yeah. I mean, even just mm-hmm. my daughter with the sleep issue, 10 years mm-hmm. in a row, every single night we had a problem. Every single night. There was no night. Couldn't be on vacation. Besi- besides no- exhaustion, that must have been frightening. You never know what you're going to Yeah. But I was told that she would grow out of it and that this is something, you know, she won't be 18 and still having this happen. And so mm-hmm. I guess, you know, all I can do mm-hmm. is wait, right? Yeah. Which is very alarming in hindsight. Like there's so much that could have been done. And so it wasn't my first two. It was actually my middle daughter. I took her to, um, we discovered through my pediatric dentist, that she mm-hmm. had a tongue tie. And so we took her to a biofunctional therapist who literally looked at her for, I, I guarantee it was not even a whole five minutes that she looked at her mm-hmm. and she said, she can't breathe. She needs Aww. to be in an ENT yesterday. And I have mm-hmm. no idea how she just saw it, at least at that time. Right. I had no idea how right. she just saw it. But we took right. her to an ENT, and the ENT scopes her, or he attempts to scope her. He can't get up on nostrils because the adenoids are completely blocking. He can't wow. get all the way up the other nostril because the adenoids are mostly blocking, and she has a deviated septum towards that side. Of course. And so she only had 10% of her nose in which she could adequately breathe. And that was the moment that got me. I said, oh my goodness, there is something here. This woman was able to just look at her and tell Mm -hmm. she couldn't breathe. And I'm her mother. I've been looking at her every day for Mm -hmm. seven or eight years at that point. And I had no idea. Are you a solopreneur or small business owner? If so, I want to ask you a question. Do you know exactly how much money you made in your business last month? Or can you find this number right now with just a couple of clicks on your computer? I'm Sarah Finns, finance coach and accountant and creator of Easy Business Bookkeeping, a course and system for tracking your business finances with ease. I want to bust the myth that managing the money in your business needs to be time consuming and stressful, or that you need to be a finance professional in order to understand them. With Easy Business Bookkeeping, you will get the tools and support you need to finally gain clarity with your finances so you can grow your business and your impact. Want to learn more? Go to www.sarahfins.com forward slash TTE podcast for details. That's sarahfins.com forward slash TTE, like tongue tie experts podcast. And I'll see you on the inside. And and your pediatrician was seeing her and same, exactly. right? The, the, the so-called expert in childhood health wasn't helping you either. 
Such a shame. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I hear this story over and over and over again. I recently, you know, that 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 look and knowing, I'm sure you have it now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I see like baby pictures on Facebook and I'm like, oh, no, do they know they should be doing this, this and this? And then I'm like, wait, Lisa, they're not asking your they're not asking your opinion, you know, or if I meet somebody and they say something like casually to me and I'll start listing off all the other things that they're dealing with. And they're like, how do you know? I'm like, I'm a witch. No. <laughs> I'm a witch. No. Um, so, so you had this happen with your daughter and then that caused you to start thinking about your other children and what they've been through because your kids have had almost every symptom possible associated with airway dysfunction. Correct. Yes. And then I put like together from even before that. Yep, breastfeeding, yeah. <laughs> mastitis, double bouts of mastitis, you know, milk flow supply. I was like, oh, wow, all of this stuff. It mm-hmm. was there for so long, and I had no idea. Right. So, you know, there may be some people listening who are saying, wait a minute, this is the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. What has anything to do with tongue tie? You're talking about bedwetting and and ADHD, and let's connect the dots for the listeners who may not already know what we do know, because we've traveled pretty far down this rabbit hole, both of us, I know, in our education. So what what is the connection there? Can you explain that to us? The tongue is so incredibly important. And the tongue is not just one muscle, because there's always this misconception that the tongue is the strongest muscle in the body. And I don't know who started that, but they need to start some (laughs) other better rumors. The tongue is actually comprised of eight or nine different muscles that are in pairs that all serve to help the tongue move in various ways. It's the muscular hydrostat, really. So if you imagine like the trunk on an elephant or the tentacle of an octopus, it can turn on itself, it can move and manipulate, and the muscles are always there to help each other. That way you can get these different motions. When your tongue is inhibited from being able to have a full range of motion, to have full connection with the roof of the mouth, with the palate, that is going to disable you from optimal growth, optimal connection for nasal breathing, optimal connection to just your autonomic nervous system to be able to regulate that flight or fright, um, and really to have adequate control over just your overall wellness because your upper respiratory system depends very deeply on the tongue and the tongue function when it comes to breathing and sleep and mm-hmm. eating and digestion and so many other functions. Right. And I mean, obviously, the ability to breathe through the nose plays such an important role in our health that many of us don't realize, you know, because we're not taught that we need to breathe through our noses. And many of us grow up not being able to breathe through our noses. Um which, I mean, your daughter's story echoes my, my cousin's daughter, who I took care of in other ways since she's a baby. And I kind of saw things. And as I learned, she was in the back of my head. And she recently, as a teenager, went to an ENT. And all of a sudden, all the pieces fell into place. So I, may, I haven't had the same experience. My own kids have their own stories. And I won't bore you with that today. But I actually saw a story very similar to your daughter's in my my cousin's daughter. 
And she's now, I mean, she was, you know, almost put on psychiatric medication because of the behaviors that were coming from her not sleeping, you know, and uh, was saved from the brink of needing that, you know, nothing against psychiatric medicine if you need it, but she wasn't, she didn't have a mental health problem. She had a breathing problem and she hadn't slept well for years and she's so much better now and she's doing amazing since the ENT took out her tonsils and her adenoids and she's had some myo work and all all the things that we um, know can help get that tongue up to the palate, get the breathing through the nose and get things back to normal, right? Absolutely. And it's sad that we don't talk about it enough because how you breathe matters. So a lot of people might hear just like breathing and they might determine Mm. like, oh, well, I'm breathing. I'm totally fine. Now, Mm. there's a proper way to breathe to really make Mm. sure you're getting adequate oxygen. And so we've got to get Mm. ourselves reconditioned to breathing as the crux and the foundation for all other health and wellness. Right. So if a parent is listening to us, and they suspect, you know, what I what I find is parents get pieces of things and start putting it together, yep. right? So they may have heard that their, ba- their baby, somebody along the way said the baby had a slight t- tongue tie. I hate that term, but that's the term usually used. Like, oh, don't worry about it. It's just slight. And then now they're, they have a school-age child who's having some problems in any of the myriad of symptoms that you listed you know, along the way, talking about your own children. What would be the first thing that you would suggest that parent to do with their child? I would. Where would be the place to go? So the first thing I would suggest, one, is to be very observant as to what's going on. A lot of us, we sleep separately from our children. Co-sleeping isn't as big of a thing as it used to be, or it's being more discouraged nowadays. And so that's the first place that I would start is be very observant. How are they breathing during the day at rest? They're watching a TV show. They're having screen time. They're sitting down for dinner. What is that looking like? Are you audibly hearing them breathing? Because breathing should never be audible. I would want to be as observant as possible. That's my very first recommendation. That way you know what you're going in there with. You're going into that appointment. So if your first step is to really take your child to an ENT or even your PD pediatrician or you want to go with knowledge. You want to go Mm -hmm. and say, I've observed for the past week, my child has been tossing and turning in bed, snoring very loudly. I'm hearing them grinding their teeth at night. They're waking up feeling unrefreshed. They're falling asleep during school. Like during the past week, I've observed all these things and I suspect that it's going a little deeper. Mm -hmm. What's my next step? And you Mm -hmm. would want for your pediatrician, your uh, primary medical care provider to not dismiss that, to not say, oh, well, don't worry, they'll grow out of that or no, don't worry about it. And if they are going to dismiss that, I truly, truly believe that myofunctional therapists are the great connectors in the airway field. We know all the best providers in our areas or sometimes in extended areas or we have networks or access to those providers. Mm -hmm. So a myofunctional therapist, one will not only just listen to you, but will have a good set of resources as to what your first step may be. For a lot of people, myofunctional therapy isn't their first step, honestly. Your Mm -hmm. first step is 
probably to go to an ENT or go to a feeding therapist. Perhaps you might need to see a sleep physician. There's other people mm-hmm. you might need to see first, and then we'll work on the function after we've got a diagnosis or we know exactly what's going on from there. Mm-hmm. Be observant. So, yeah, the um, the idea that the myofunctional therapist isn't first, but if somebody happens upon a myofunctional therapist – the myofunctional therapist recognizes, is trained to recognize what other um, professions need to get involved, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of think about in my in my structural organization in my brain, um, the center of the team for an infant as the IBCLC, right, breastfeeding infant especially, and the center of the team for anyone older as the myofunctional therapist, because you kind of, you, you're kind of like the general contractor to say, oh, no, 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 you need this one, right? Am I, am I yeah, you're explaining like the your role correct? The foreman, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that if somebody goes to an ENT and the ENT doesn't completely get airway, they're going to hit a dead end. And then they might want to go to a myofunctional therapist who will say, oh, no, 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 okay, you tried Dr. So-and-so. How about this time we go to Dr. the other guy and see what he says, right? I mean, because as you said, we network and we see. And, you know, I have the same thing with local dentists even in my area. Like I'll say, oh, yeah, you went to that guy and he, he said there's no tongue tie. Let's, let's talk to this guy instead, you know, or this girl instead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't want to rule out. So I love what I do. I just never want to rule out the primary care physician and the team that they've already had in place. Mm -hmm. I'd like to give them an opportunity, right? Right. And so when I suggest that you go visit them, please do. I would love for you to connect and and to open the eyes of your primary care physician to these things that are going on and allow them the opportunity to address those concerns. When they don't, Mm -hmm. absolutely, myofunctional Mm -hmm. therapist is is 100% exactly where I would go. And even in my story with my daughter, that's what did it for me, right? A myofunctional therapist, five seconds, said, nope, she can't breathe. Not here. Right. Okay, great, great. So, yes, of course, we'd love to include primary care. I guess um, I'm a little shell-shocked. What's the word I want to use? Because I have a very difficult time in my geographic area getting pediatricians on board. And I actually have parents that don't even tell the pediatricians. And I tell them, no, tell the pediatricians, you know. Don't even want the pediatricians to know. And the pediatricians don't care because they don't care about uh, – I'm, I'm categorizing it. Forgive me. I don't mean this all pediatricians. Some pediatricians will not even look in the baby's mouth. So, And if they look in the baby's mouth, they don't know what they're looking for. Right. So the parent is like, well, I'm not even going to tell him that the baby had a tongue tie release because he's not even looking. You know, and I'm like, no, but we have to educate them. Exactly. <laughs> like, how else are we? How else are they going to learn unless you tell them you came to me and I helped you and I guided you through this process, and now the baby's nursing better, and that's why the baby's weight gain is better, and so on and so on. 
but it's it's hard and parents shouldn't be the responsible people right it's, no, it's they shouldn't be, but that's how it works out. And a lot of times mm-hmm. those have been some of the cases where you win somebody over. They go to the mm-hmm. primary care, then they wind up finding you as the myofunctional or the IVCLC, mm-hmm. and then they go back to their primary care. Maybe they have a report you wrote, or they just have mm-hmm. their own report of what's been going on and occurring. And now suddenly mm-hmm. they're contacting you to figure out, well, how can we get this right the next time? Mm-hmm. Some of those have started yes, some exactly. of my relationships and I, I like yeah. them. Yeah. 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 So I love the work that you do and I love that you're an educator as well. Um, obviously, I love to speak about this topic and educate as well. Um, what motivated that? Like I like to dig a, a little deeper for Carice, like you have a great practice, but what motivated you to start doing lecturing and podcast appearances? And, you know, you've got a lot of media appearances. What has motivated you to be able to speak out on this subject? Really getting into the biofunctional therapy role and developing those eyes where, like you said, you're seeing even pictures on the internet. I can go to the grocery store. I see the need. I can go to the airport. That's where you see the need almost the most is what it feels like. And there's just not enough of people who are aware. And so that's what really got me going to spread the word because there's so much need and there's not enough of us. We're not out there in the dense populations that we really should be. I think Mm. that spreading the word is the most important step. Honestly, if we don't get that public awareness and we don't get the professional awareness, we're not going to get the change that we want to see. So I'm Mm. motivated by the ripple effect. Every talk I have, has a certain number of professionals listening and they're going to go and spread that word to their patients. And then that's going to help, you know, right. I love that. I love that. And we have similar missions. Obviously I have, I have a podcast now. Um, and I also love, you know, the social media awareness to a point, right? Because it's gotta be, some of it's a little crazy, but I mean, I wouldn't know what I know if it wasn't for the networking I found on social, you know, so, and I know that if I make an Instagram live and people listen to it and they hear a mom tell a story, Mm -hmm. they're, they're going to say, Hey, wait, that's what's going on for me. And ripple effect, ripple effect, you know? So I, I love that. And I love that we have the ability now to be able to spread the word and to be able to get together as professionals and network as, you know, the two of us met at a conference, which yay that we can be back in person again, because that's so important. And that was so much fun. And I think that was, you know, just being um, in a professional setting with other professionals from all different disciplines who have the same mission and are having the same or similar challenges where they work or successes where they work and getting together and talking about how it's working almost the same in all different parts of the world. Isn't that amazing, right? I I love that part of it. Um, So, Carice, I'd love for you, if you're able to, 
Just give me a like synopsis of what exactly myofunctional therapy is. Are you, like what, to, what exactly are you doing with, with the person? So I like to compare it to personal training of sorts. It's like personal training for all the muscles below <laughs> the eyes, but above the shoulders. And in that area and range, there are dozens upon dozens of muscles. And we are really getting to the root of where there is any sort of compensatory movement, compensation, um, where there's any sort of dysfunction. And we are pinpointing it, exercising that gradually turns into activities that helps coordinate the muscles into how they should be used. And then eventually habituation where you're going to have really new neuromuscular programming and it's going to develop just a new pattern, a subconscious pattern of how that musculature moves together. Now, why I compare it to personal training? Because I think it's the most visual analogy I can give. If you imagine going to a gym, signing up with a personal trainer and working out with that personal trainer one time a week and then going and sitting on your couch the rest of the week and not doing anything, you would never expect to get six-pack abs. So my functional <laughs> therapy is work. It does involve mm -hmm. a lot of work. And so it's a matter of doing the exercises and following through. That way you're making sure that you are getting the results that you want to see, honestly. The muscles don't. And change. also like personal training. I love that analogy, by the way. But like personal training, it's very individualized. Not everybody needs the same exercises. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Where it's very personalized to your specific dysfunction because we all mm -hmm. present differently. Even in the story of mm -hmm. my children, like everybody had their own little thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that um, – Myofunctional therapy is one of those disciplines that I think we all can benefit from. Like, I don't think there's anyone that wouldn't benefit from myofunctional therapy. You know, I've gone through it a little myself, try to talk my kids into it, you know, because I, I know that having optimal function, even if there's no obvious dysfunction, optimizing your function, just like exercising, as your analogy was, right? You could be strong, but you need some tweaking, you know, kind of thing um, is important. And um, there are changes throughout the lifespan, obviously, right? Absolutely. Different things happen throughout the lifespan. It's a balance. You think of your function in the same way that you can yeah. think of like having a really good diet. So if you have really good function, you have a really good diet, that doesn't mean that you don't need to exercise. You could still exercise and gain benefits. Mm -hmm. So we all need mm -hmm. a little of both. Right. And um, <clears throat> the actual structure of how somebody works with you is, is, do you do video? Do you do in person? Do you do a bit, mixture of both? You teach them exercises. Like how often is 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 your meetings and how often, how long is therapy? If there's a typical, maybe it's not, maybe it's extremely individual. It is very individual, but I will give you averages. So mm -hmm. average is you're working with somebody once a week. We would meet for about 30, 40 minutes once a week. And that can be through telehealth where we're mm -hmm. on a platform like Zoom um, or Skype if you want to get an analogy like that. Or it can be in person. And so I do a mix of both. 
I really find that because it is very instruction based, kind of like how you can do an exercise that you would see somebody doing on YouTube. If they're exercising, you can kind of get the motions the same as long as they're describing it, that it works Mm -hmm. really well through telehealth as well. Mm -hmm. On average, most people take about 12 to 14 visits or so in order to be able to complete a program. If you're meeting once a week, then that's going to bring you right about three, four months. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's about average, but a lot of different factors play a role. Personalized dysfunction, if you have something more severe going on, if you have an oral habit that we have to eliminate as well, a lot of different factors do play into Mm -hmm. it, whether or not it'd be longer or shorter and so forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just like with the personal trainer, if you're not doing your work, it's going to take longer, right? You're not you're not promising anybody to lose 20 pounds in four weeks <laughs> if they're not going to do their exercises at home, right? Exactly, which is why it's a, pers- a perfect yeah. analogy because that accountability mm-hmm. has to be there. You have to be willing to put in the work. Right, right. And the um, the topic that we were go- going to originally discuss is was anticipatory guidance before tongue-tie release. And um, – this brings me back to that idea of you would be aware as a myofunctional therapist of readiness for release of tongue tie, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So there's an analogy that I love to use. And I don't know if anybody else has ever used it on your podcast before, but imagine it like your arm, if your arm was tethered to your body and somebody came along and said, hey, you know, your arm is actually supposed to be free moving. You should be able to throw a ball, raise your arm and so forth. Let's just release that. We'll, We'll make sure that it's, you know, dealt with. So they released it. Would your triceps or biceps, or would you even expect your triceps or biceps to be able to sustain you elevating your arm throwing a ball. You would never expect that because they haven't moved. They've been immobilized for so long. And so where we get into myofunctional is that we're really looking at all the muscles. We're looking at the palatal glosses. We're looking at the um, genioglosses. We're looking at all these muscles that have to function at a certain level before you can get into the actual procedure. So Mm -hmm. it's very important and it's Mm -hmm. a big part of it because honestly for me, Structure is one thing. We can look at something and you can determine it's a tie, but the function is really what matters. And I would say function Mm -hmm. matters even more than the structure. Like if there's dysfunction, we got to tackle that first. You're certainly preaching my language because I'm always saying this is not about what it looks like. It's about what it does, right? Because I've seen some pretty funky looking tongue ties that are working wonderfully and there's no symptoms and no problems. And I've seen things that somebody has classified as a mild tie or a slight tie that are causing all kinds of symptoms. So it's about how it moves, right? Not what it looks like. I love that you said that too, because it sounds like I coached you before we came on. (laughs) You didn't. I promise. I I didn't. (laughs) Make sure you mention that part. No. Um, Yeah. So We can get to a certain amount of function to strengthen those muscles, both in infants, children, and adults, before that actual release of it. And, you know, another, another like little thing that I preach is this is more than just a little snip, right? Because it's so much more than that. And, you know, I mentioned this often on, on my podcast that the dentist that I work with tell me he's got, he tells me he's got the easy part. 
He's like, I'm with them for 10 minutes. You're with them for all the weeks and months, right? So um, how do we get people to understand that the importance of readiness? Like what would what would be the most important um, ways for you to express that to our audience today? Why it's so important to prepare for tongue tie release? It's important to prepare because you need to know, one, if you even need the release because sometimes you overcome functional hurdles that you may have had before and you may not need to have it. It is a surgical procedure. It's incredibly Mm -hmm. important. Um, Mm -hmm. But two, because in any other part of the body, we would value it enough that we would say, okay, this makes sense that we would need to prepare before. You can't get a knee replacement or a hip replacement if you haven't done some physical therapy before. Mm -hmm. You have to go through those processes. And that makes sense to us. We don't question it. We just, okay. When it comes to our mouth, our tongue, you know, it's not a snip, a simple snip. It's it's not. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting a snip, that's not a release. <laughs> that's right, right. something else entirely. That's probably for another podcast. But mm-hmm. it is yeah. definitely important that we prepare our bodies. That way we can get mm-hmm. the optimal outcomes. So it's the prehab. Mm-hmm. That way you can get to adequate rehab and mm-hmm. optimal healing. Yeah. And, and this – in my uh, thought pattern, brings us right around to where we started with the holistic view, because that word release isn't just about release of the tongue. So many grown-ups who've had the tongue-tie procedure talk about a real emotional, sometimes even spiritual release in the whole body. Right? Not. It's not just about freeing the muscle. There's been tension held in that muscle and in that fascia for so long. So I think it's important to um, look at all the other aspects of our health at the same time and make sure that we're ready for that release in in a in an emotional way, right? Like I always Absolutely. even talk about with newborns, if the family is considering uh, the procedure, timing it right so there's no stress going on with the family that week other than what's happening with their baby. You know, there's no christening party planned or vacation or, you know, partners going back to work that week and, you know, things like that. The other kids are starting school. Like, think about a time when you can just be with the baby who's having this release so that you can support the baby through the release as well. So it's it's a holistic view. And that's what you that lit up for me when you talked about getting the the preparation. Absolutely. And how important is it that you might not need it? You I might know. not need it. Exactly. Right? Isn't and that the biggest thing. Yeah. And the functional provider sees that, but the structural provider does not see that. No. Yeah. No. So yeah, I've I've had I'm sure you've had patients come to you after release and you're like, why'd they do that? I mean, I've I've seen that with babies too. Like, you know, well, we had the tongue tie release and baby's still not breastfeeding. Well, guess what, mom? You don't have milk. So why would the baby breastfeed? Like nobody I, I sound cold when I say this, but that's not how I said it to the mama. Right, right. But like, you know, everything's gotta be in place for a baby to breastfeed. Right. Not just the baby's tongue being not tied down with a frenum. So, so much is involved there. 
But so, so much is involved. And you, um, as an IBCLC working with a dyad, you know that the mom mm-hmm. and the mom's psychological and mental state also matters too. So of much course. they have gotten to and gotten through at the time when they're at this point where now they have this baby in their hands. They may have had disappointments mm-hmm. in their pregnancy. Maybe that didn't go as they planned. They may have had disappointments right. in the labor. Maybe that didn't go as planned. And now we're adding on to it. Okay, now breastfeeding isn't going as planned. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's an emotional And now we're going to have surgery. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's what? Emotional you know? time for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. want to consider all those factors. Yeah. Again, holistic view. Well, Carice, it has been wonderful chatting with you today. I so appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. In the show notes, I'm going to include your website, but you can share it now for those who are listening or driving while they're listening or whatever. So we can find you where? You can find me at my website. It's themyospot.com, T-H-E-M-Y-O-S-P-O-T.com. Okay, great. And thank you again. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed and for ways to follow us on social media. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.